Well, praise God. Church, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would, um, John chapter 20 is where we're going to go this morning. Obviously, I'm going to be preaching about the resurrection power of Jesus, being this is Resurrection Sunday. Now, we are going to be having communion here at the end of service. So those of you out watching, you may want to get your communion ready and you can take communion with us. Um, we will be serving it as always up here in the front, but we also have packets in the back if anybody would like to have communion like that. That's great. You know, folks, listen, man, I, you know, last, last Easter we didn't have service. I did, right? In church, we're all bound by the dreaded COVID. The devil of COVID was at the door, and so we, if I remember right, I don't think we had an open we had church parking lot. Everybody came by then drove in. We had, we had a drive-in church, which I actually thought was pretty cool. I really liked preaching and the horns honking at me. I thought that was kind of cool, you know. But uh, anyway, so I'm glad we're here this, this, this year and uh, we're still alive and kicking and uh, giving the devil a hard time. But I want you to remember something. I just want to make this statement. It may not seem like it makes any sense until the end of the service. But in the time of trouble, listen, do not forget the word of God. In a time of trouble, don't forget the word of God. Don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget the supernatural power of God. Don't forget. Do not let this world and the things of this world grind you down, pressure you down, and get you to thinking that you are just a natural, common human being. You're not. You're a supernatural, born again, washed in the blood, believer who has rights and promises and all the promises of God are yes and amen to you. Amen? amen. And if I've ever known a time that we need to be believing in the supernatural and walking in the supernatural is today. All right. So let's go back and let's look a little bit at what happened 2000 plus years ago. Uh, this not this Sunday, because y'all know the timing's not right. Okay, is that all right? I, I just make that statement. I mean, the we celebrate today as a resurrection day, and so that's what counts. But John chapter 20, verse 1. Let's look at what it says here about the morning of resurrection day. It says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran and she came to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, I love how John, John always refers to himself in the third person here, okay? So it's John who he's talking to. And it says, and she ran and she came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. He had to throw that in. And he said to them, like he didn't love the rest. <laughs> and they had taken away the Lord. They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. Now, look at her, look at her deduction here. All right? I just want you to see this. See, what I'm saying today is that Christians, we don't understand who we are. And because we don't understand who we are, we don't walk in any power and any victory. We're not walking and believing. We're asking the Lord, could you possibly do this? There's no walking in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Like we're supposed to be as Christians. Look at the person beside you. That's a good point. And see, what we do is we just go along with us asking God for a little bit of something like maybe he might knock a crumb off the table or something like that. We don't walk. As Christians, and then if you do try to walk as a Christian, there's always some Yahoo, Yazoo standing around that tries to throw you down. And say, well, pff, what are you talking about? We know who you are. All right, but look at their attitude here. It says right here, 
they, they come back and they say they stole the body away. They're trying to reason. Now, listen to me, church. We don't live in a day. Now, do not take this out of text. We, we live in a day that you cannot reason. You have to believe what the word says and the promises to you. You cannot go with what you see out of your eyes and natural reasoning. Folks, we don't even know what the truth is. With everything that's going out, all the way that things are sent out on there. Listen to me. <laughs> now, this is kind of a stretch, but give it to me, all right? Give it to me. How many of y'all have in, in here, you've ever actually been to Wuhan, China? You've been to Wuhan. All right. How do we even know it exists? What if somebody told us is Wuhan, China? We don't doubt it. We say, oh, there's a little spot on the map over here. There it is right there, you know. But we, I'm, what I'm saying is there's things going on today in the world and we wouldn't have this. Do y'all know? Listen, do y'all know that we wouldn't even know anything going on in this little valley, the valley that time forgot, if we didn't have the Internet? Where's the days when you used to wait for the newspaper to come up from Sabinow? Y'all with me? To get information. And now we're bombarded with an information age, and you don't even know what the truth is. So we start reasoning. Well, I guess this is what's going on. I guess that's what's going on. That's what gets you in trouble because, see, they ran back from the tomb, looked into the disciples, and said, they stole the body. Nobody thinking about resurrection. So here goes Peter and John. So they ran both together, and the other disciple outran Peter. Why did he say that? <laughs> you know, I got to be honest with you. John's gospel, I love John's gospel, but when I was a few things in here that he says that makes me question the man's real, you know, I mean, he's supposed to be the disciple of love. Why did he have to say he outran Peter? Why did that get written in here? Why did he refer to us as the one in whom was loved? So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Okay. So you're with me here. He looks in, but he didn't walk in. And Simon Peter came following him. He went into the tomb. See, again, he referenced following him that he beat him. Following him, he went into the tomb. He saw the linen, look, he saw the linen clothes lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. All right. Seems like really nothing there, but just let me explain something to you. So they had tried to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. Now, Jewish people, they did not do mummification. All right. But they did do a, a, a certain, um, uh, just for lack of lack of better words, he took a, a, a greasy, oily substance with perfume and stuff in it, and they put it on strips of cloth, and they wrapped the body, and that stuff would become hard after a while. It would just solidify, and so I can't prove this, but I've always thought that when they went into the tomb and what they saw, because it says the linen clothes laying there, it was the wrappings that was all on, the same wrappings that Lazarus came out of the tomb with when Jesus says, go unbind him, right? And so those, it was like a cocoon or, or what is it, a, a locust, right, that comes out of the shell and you have the shell there? That's what was laying there. The thing I think is the strangest about this 
So I don't know how Jesus blew out of the grave clothes. I don't know whether he just came through them. But there was only one place open in the cocoon. And that was what was over the face. And that's why the handkerchief was laid over the face because they had not finished because it was Passover. They had to stop. They couldn't be dealing with the dead body. So they had stopped and they laid the handkerchief over his face. So it's possible that when Jesus was risen from the dead, he came out the face hole. I'm just throwing this out. Y'all can just go take it. You want to do whatever you want to. But then look at this. He's resurrected and he takes the napkin, right? The handkerchief, the napkin that was laid over his face that was just put down there over his face. He comes out the hole. Then he takes the napkin. He's resurrected and he folds it. He says he folded it. Folded it. What kind of a person takes time after you just got blown out of your grave to deal with folding? I'll tell you who. Somebody that cares about every piece and part of your life. Somebody that is such a God of excellence that he cares about every little tiny thing going on in your life and around you. A God that is so specific, the greatest event taking place on planet Earth that was ever taken place, he stops. He's not worried. Listen to me. Jesus is not worried. Jesus is not concerned today. God and Jesus are not sitting up in heaven biting their fingernails saying, oh gosh, what are we going to do about COVID? A God who is so, so amazing that he's out of the grave. Now you got to understand something. You read the different gospels. They said there were, one gospel reports that there was an earthquake. A shaking of the earth. The other one says that the stone was blown out of there. It's a huge rock. The, the, the Roman guards are, oh, they're shaking in fear. The angel sits down on the rock, folds his hands, says, hey, guys. And they all. <laughs> and Jesus takes time to fold the handkerchief. Whatever's going on in your life today, I just want you to understand the resurrection power of God is there to fix whatever it is. The resurrection power of God is there to fix it. And God is not so worried about everything else going on. He doesn't have time to deal with you and whatever is going on. Okay, let's read on. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For yet they did not know the scriptures, that he must rise again from the dead. Then his disciples went away into their own homes. Oh, so you give them some credit there, okay? He said, oh, well, they didn't really know. They didn't really understand the resurrection. I want to say shame on them. Go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and be raised the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Lord, far be it from you. This isn't going to happen. And he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. For you're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but things of men. You see, the reason why they hadn't believed in the resurrection is because they couldn't get over the fact that Jesus was saying he was going to die. Because in their minds, they could only see it happening one way. He went into the temple, 
He set himself up as the Messiah. He ruled from there, lightning bolts, fire, whatever, coming out of the deal, ran off those old dirty Romans, and he ruled. That's the only way they could see it. They couldn't see the resurrection. So I challenge you today, how many things in your life are you hindering the power of God from moving in your life because you can only see it one way? How many things does God just would do for you that would be so amazing? But we're sitting there saying, no, Lord, it has to be this way. It has to be this way. I can't see it any other way but this way. You've got to do it this way because I can believe for that. And he said, no, no, no. I'm going to raise, I'm going to come up from the dead to never die again. Now, coming back from the dead, just coming back from the dead was not a, not a, something that was new to him. Lazarus is raised from the dead. The old prophets raised people from the dead. Being raised from the dead was an epic. Jesus himself raised the boy at Naomi, walked by the, you know, messed up the whole funeral, walked over there and touched the dead person. Boom, the boy jumped up. But that boy lived to die another day. Are y'all with me? The stories in the Old Testament of, of, uh, of Elijah's bones and, and, and were in the grave and the Syrian army came and they threw the dead man in the graves. And as soon as he hit the bones of Elijah, he came back to life. So coming back to life wasn't something that was abnormal for the Jewish people. Resurrection, resurrection was not something that they didn't know about either. Let me show you. Let's look at some Old Testament here. Hosea chapter 6, verse 1. Hosea 6, 1. It says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, he has torn but he will heal us. He is stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, we will re- he will receive us. On the third day, he will raise us up again. Hosea 13, 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, where is your plagues? Oh, grave, where is your destruction? Pity is hidden from my eyes. They talked all about that, that there was, the Messiah was coming. He was going to be raised from the grave, that death and hell couldn't hurt the Messiah. As Jewish people, they studied this. They, they knew this from boys in, in you know, Sunday school. Isaiah 25, 8 is another one. It says, he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away the tears all their faces and rebuke his people will take, and the rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Another one, Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. So they knew if they went to church on a, on a Sunday morning, taught in Sunday school, taught in the synagogue, was going to be the messages coming up all the time that the Messiah was going to come back. He was going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. There was going to be no more corruption. David and the Psalms all talking about the Lord. There's going to be no corruption of the Lord. All these things going on there. It was a part of their tradition. Yet the disciples didn't know it. Or they didn't have a revelation of it when Jesus arose from the grave. They thought it was over with. They thought, listen, they thought, They blew it. That's what they thought. They thought they'd followed Jesus for three and a half years and nothing came of it. The Romans killed him. And I love it how God is the kind of God that he he seems to like to let 
The wicked people think that they're in charge and that they're all in and got it all under con- control and they're, 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 they're ruling. And then he just likes to just do this little sidestep. You know, he just does a little side deal like that and blows it out of the water. Pharaoh coming, the chariots coming after Israel, backed up against the Red Sea. We got them. We're going to get them now. Whoop, part the Red Sea. Who thought of that? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would have had a better time if I was Moses and trying to figure out how to get across the Red Sea, coming up with a person, uh, Lord, make the water hard so we can walk over it and then let it go soft. I could have come up, that would have, you know what I'm saying? Stretching my brain, I could have kind of believed that was a little easier, right? I mean, y'all with me? I mean, both of them are difficult, but I don't think I would ever pray, Lord, part the seas, let them go back. Walking along, seeing fish swimming over there in the water and, and the drown, ground, ground is dry. You follow me? See, God loves to do things that, because that if, if you could do it, then you don't need him. So he loves to do things that are so God that you got to step back and say, that's God. No way we're going to pull that off. But we humans have this something. I don't know what it is. It's just a stupid part of us that think we can do it. We can fix it. So the disciples had gotten in their head. Jesus couldn't die. So the death, it was defeat. As I said last Sunday, you don't see any paintings of Jesus, dan- I mean, uh, at, of Christians dancing at the foot of the cross and rejoicing. Like that's victory day. Running around with their Bible of Isaiah saying, Jesus just fulfilled Isaiah 53. He's the Messiah. We've been delivered from our sins. Been delivered from our sins. Yeah, yeah. You don't see that at the foot of the cross. You see everybody, oh, God. God, he's dead. He died. He killed him. They killed the Messiah. You follow me? Isn't that what we're doing every time we come up against a situation or circumstance that overwhelms us and we become depressed and discouraged and look at things in, in life and say, oh, God, I don't see how you're going to do this. Aren't we doing the same thing? We, we spruce it up. We like to call it a little something different. We like to make it seem like, oh, well, you know, I mean, everyone would be concerned at this time. <laughs> so now they've gotten past the crucifixion. Now they're sitting around talking about, oh, golly, what are we going to do now? Now the Romans are going to be hunting us. Now we're wanted men. Now they're going to be after us. Look what they did to Jesus. This is horrible. I don't want to die on the cross. Everybody's freaking out. So go to Luke 24, 36. Everybody's in the upper room. They're just freaking out. Everything's shot. It didn't work out the way I thought it should. <clears throat> Luke 24, 36 says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Hey, peace, guys. <laughs> what would you have done? I mean, come on. We want to think we're all so smart and looking at all this and we're such great Bible scholars. I'm pretty sure I'd have jumped. Right? You're just sitting there and everybody's, but just think about this. Everybody's worried. 
Everybody's fretting. Everybody's sitting around the table. Everybody's chewing their fingernails. Everybody's got their minds going, saying, the Romans are coming. They're going to get us. They're going to crucify us. The devil is having a field day. Just, I mean, the devil is standing there with a, with a shovel and a whole truckload of doubt, just shoveling it into their brains because they're just running. Oh, my God, whatever. And then somebody else comes up with something, and it just keeps it's building. And the next thing you know, Jesus, hey, guys. Ah! Right? You wouldn't have said, oh, Lord, we were just talking about you. We've been waiting for you to come. We knew you were going to rise from the dead. It's like, no, you weren't. You were freaking out. I saw I was standing right there. Are you all with me? How much more today in our own lives and the things that are going on around us and the world situations and the world circumstances and all the craziness going on, do we just not need Jesus to step right in to the midst of our circumstances and situations and just say, hey, what do you need? That reality. But I'm telling you, he wants to every day, every moment, every second of your life. He wants to come in. He wants to fold your handkerchiefs. He wants to take care of your problems. He wants to deal with that. But are we being like the disciples, just in freak out mode, worrying, fretting? Or are we going to be disciples who are waiting and sitting there for the coming of the Lord? So he says, peace be to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they'd seen a spirit. Now they're even taking it and going out from there and thinking, well, maybe he's just a ghost. And he said to them, why are, you, why are you so troubled? Why do doubts rise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet. It's I, myself. Handle me. See, for a spirit doesn't have flesh and blood, as I see, as you see I have. So just think about this, folks. The resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says, I'm going to read in just a minute, that he was the first one from, to be raised from the dead like this in his resurrected body, and that's what we have to look forward to. So Jesus can walk through a wall but eat fish, right? He can walk through a wall, appear amongst everybody, but still had wounds. So it's a resurrected body like your body, but not like your body. Because I don't think anybody, we could challenge, have that challenge right now if we wanted to and see how many of y'all could walk through the wall. So a supernatural event, everybody say supernatural. supernatural. It, the resurrection was supernatural because the body that Jesus was resurrected in had natural features to it, but it was supernatural. It says, but while they still did not believe. What? Luke wrote that in there. But when, they had, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marvel, he said to them, have you any food here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in the presence. Are you with me? Folks, listen to me. You're worrying about your doubts and unbeliefs. I'm just telling you, the disciples were the same people. Don't beat yourself up today and say, oh, I'm such a doubter. I just can't get it together. I'm never going to make it. I can't do anything. These guys right here were sitting in the midst of Jesus, watching him eat broiled fish, seeing he was the son of God, and still sitting there saying, man, I don't know if I believe this or not. <laughs> Are you all with me? Okay. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 17. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. 
And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Folks, listen to me. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to have a society called church. I don't want to have, you know, just religious services for religious services sake. I don't want to, I mean, for that matter, I don't want to be good just to be good. Right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. It'd be a whole lot easier to tell somebody off and slap them in the face and say, just take care. <laughs> Got to repent and believe God and forgive you, you know? Right? But this statement right here, this scripture, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Folks, if I wasn't forgiven of my sins and, and knew that there was a resurrection life and knew that Jesus is living on the inside of me and knew that I got changed and that I'm not the same as I was before, if I didn't know that, well, then I wouldn't even mess with being a Christian because you weren't forgiven of your sins. Without the resurrection, there was no forgiveness. And then also those that have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we have hope in Christ, only have hope in Christ, we're men most pitiful. If we're, if we're just still longing and looking, he's talking about the people right now that aren't believers. And man, if you're just, golly, if all y'all are doing is just hoping this isn't going to happen, hoping this is going to be good, then that's just really pitiful. Folks, we as Christians should be living, living supernatural lives. You say, well, I don't know about this. That stuff's kind of spooky, kind of scares me. Well, listen to me. I'm not talking about handling snakes. That's a fool. I'm telling you what, you bring a snake in here, I'm shooting it out of your hand, man. I tell you, we ain't messing with snakes. There ain't no going to be no snake handling in this church. I don't like snakes. There ain't nothing I'm really scared of in life, but I don't like snakes. All right? I give me the willies and guns are going to go off at a snake. I don't care if it's a grass snake. Don't bring me a boa constrictor and say, it's just a boa. No, you mess with a snake. I don't like snakes. Don't like them at all. Okay? So... But we as Christians are supposed to be supernatural people. Listen to me. We're supposed to be praying, communicating with heaven, and seeing miracles come up to pass. The problem is we've gotten so stupid in our heads that we're not agreeing with heaven working unless it does it like we want it to. We want Merlin the magician, not Jesus the resurrected. And so Christians have taken supernatural and turned it into a mystical, whimsical, you know, kind of twilight zone event. When really, truthfully, what supernatural means is that it's natural, but really super. <laughs> Hello? So you go into the, the store, and the clerk is ugly. And instead of saying, you know, I'm going to slap you into next week, you say, uh, ma'am, or sir, uh, I see that, you know, things aren't going well with you today. Is there anything I could do? Would you, would you like me to pray for you? And then you see that person break and say, oh, okay, you know, I had a hard time. And you say, well, let me just pray for you right there. And God does a supernatural miracle. My wife walking in the grocery store the other day, and, and a lady comes up to her uh, and says, I'm sorry, but could I, she asked you to pray. She said, could I, she said, could I, I just found out, was it cancer? She had cancer or something like that. She just found out she had cancer. And she just picked my wife out of the, out of the grocery store and just walked up to her and said, you know, could you pray for me? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's supernatural. We're supposed to not 
we're natural, but we're just really super. And if you don't live in the supernatural, what happens to you is you become discouraged and disgruntled because you're looking like the disciples were at the things going on around you in the world. And you're starting to assess and starting to 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 figure and trying to get all this stuff reasoned out. And you get tired and weary. And I'm preaching this to you from experience. Because I'm not perfect. And this happens to me. And I've been praying and praying and saying, Lord, how do I live not, you know, how do I live differently? Because see, y'all have your family to worry about, and I have all of y'all's families to worry about. And so I'm trying to figure out, and you know, it's kind of difficult when you're trying to figure out what's going on in the world and how you're trying to deal with it. I'm just mad at everybody in anywhere north just because they've caused so much problems at everything, from the price of shells to COVID to masks to whatever else. I'm just mad at them all. And I just know they caused it, and it didn't make any difference why. They just did. They and them are on my list, and I'm mad at them. Okay? And they and them, you know, oof. So my point is, I'm saying, you're going to sit around and try to assess everything in your brain. You're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to get, you're going to get bogged down. You can't, you can't function in life because you're, you're dealing with, you're looking at the facts, and you're trying to put it upon your own self and work all those things out, and you can't do it. It's too much for you. And that's what the disciples had done. They said, well, this, it's all over with. It's defeated. We're going to be chased down. We're going to be hunted. We're going to be crucified. We're going to be killed. And the next thing you know, Jesus steps in the middle and says, hey, guys, how did he get in? Walk to the wall. He didn't need a key. Just walk to the wall. God doesn't need a key to your problems. He just going to walk right in the middle of it because it's supernatural. And my point is, I'm trying to say to you is we're not going to finish out the rest of the days of our life here on earth unless we really get a revelation of the supernatural, get a revelation of the resurrection power of God and begin to walk in it. Revelations 117, you don't have to turn that, I'm just going to tell it to you real quick. It, Jesus said, he declared, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He has the keys. All authority in Matthew 28, Jesus said when he is risen, has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And either he has it or he doesn't. Because I'm telling you, <clears throat> I'm going to get in trouble. I'm telling you, the, the president does not have all the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Are you with me? This, this, no matter what, the human, humanity does not have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So they're not making my rules for my life. I had a, a person send me a clip the other day, and, and it said, um, imagine this, that in the year 2025, you put on your jacket, and you reach your hand in the pocket, and you feel, and you pull it out, and there's a mask in there. And you look at it and smile and say, Oh, 2020, what a year. As then you put on your gas mask, load your shotgun, shoot some zombies as you're going to the grocery store to get milk. <laughs> and I thought, that's about right. Yeah, we thought it's the worst, and it could be worse than that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that don't look like nothing. Oh, yeah, remember the days of, remember the, days of the easy mask? It was no big deal. <laughs> I don't know what all's coming, folks, but I know this. We got to be supernatural. Amen. That means we've got to pray. We've got to encourage one another. We've got to speak to one another. We've got to declare one another what the word of God says. We have to be people who walk as Christians. Oh, man. Romans 838. 
It says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor heights nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, I mean, that's a pretty simple statement. It's got it all covered right there. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. So no matter what's coming on you, no matter what's coming at you, God's love is there to abound towards you. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died and died for all. And those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and arose again. Listen to this. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that sin came upon the whole world. Like, like I don't know how it worked. I mean, like what I'm saying is like, you know, I, I, I have to imagine I wasn't there. But they literally, you know, bit the proverbial apple and then like a shockwave went out over the world. And all men fell under death and sin. Are y'all with me? You hear what I'm saying? There wasn't a man born. Wasn't anybody born after that? It wasn't underneath the, the curse. That says when Jesus came up from the grave, that same like, like the wave that went over the world went in reverse. He comes up from the grave, and he brings life. So as death came to all the world, so life can come to all the world for those that believe in Jesus because of the resurrection. We're supposed to be walking in Zoe life. You say, well, Pastor, what about that? I got some problems. You're going to have problems. You're still live in a fallen world with a bunch of loose devils running around. All right? But greater is he that's in us, he that's in the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. What is our faith in? The resurrection power of Jesus, that he rose from the dead and he set us free. Are we going to walk in it or not? Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism unto death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so now, we should also walk in the newness of life. So, folks, we're supposed to be walking in this supernatural life. That's what we're supposed to be walking in. Romans 8, 11, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. What, 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 what? What? But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you mean you have the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead in you? Power to knock a dead man out from death, hell and the grave? is in you who he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you folks listen to me the picture painted by the gospel is that you are an indestructible child of God born again washed in his blood yes somebody can come up and say something ugly and hurt your feelings but you have the supernatural power to let God heal you on the inside of that and to give you wisdom of how to walk what we need to be doing nowadays is drawing closer to the spirit to find out how God wants us to walk and what we're supposed to do. And at every moment, how we're taking our steps and walking, that we're walking according to his word. So if you're going to walk in the resurrection power of God, I just have to tell you, if you're born again, if you've first, you've done the very first thing, you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. You know down on the inside of your, your very being that you're right with God. 
If you're at that place, that's the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what it is inside of you. So if he could raise Jesus from the dead, he certainly can get you through today and tomorrow. Or what's to come. And we have to get out of this thing and we're trying to range it all. We're trying to line it all up. We're trying to make it happen. We've got to let the grace and the power of God work and flow in our lives. Are y'all with me? We've got to come to the place that we have a revelation of this. That we know that resurrection power is within us. If you're out there watching this video and you don't know it. Well, right now, the first thing you need to do is make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You need to ask him to come into your life. You need to stop what you're doing right now, unless you're driving. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to ask him to come into your life, and you'll simply pray and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want the resurrection power in my life. He'll come and touch you right where you are. If you're sitting in here today, and you say, oh, well, I like that preacher. You know, he's a, little, he's a little more exciting than the other church we went to. I kind of like him and all that. And that's all. And just, I'm just stimulating your entertaining side. Well, you're missing it. Because I'm talking about eternal life here. I'm talking about not just not Merlin the magician. I'm talking about eternal life. I'm talking about stepping and never having to have to fear another day of death. I'm talking, I'm talking about... All of your sins washed away, never having to walk in guilt. Never having to walk in the fear of somebody finding out what you did. Because the blood of Jesus covers you and washes your sins as white as snow. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about the power of God to totally set you on a new course in life. To take you from where you've been and what you've done and set you free and move you over on a new path in life to bring you victory. And all you have to do is simply say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you arose from the grave. And today I ask you to come into my life. And if that's spoken from a sincere heart, even if it's not exactly those words, even if it's just Jesus, help me. I'm an idiot. And if that's sincerely, sincerely from your heart, I'm not going to ever get so religious to tell you that you had to say these exact words to get saved. I'm telling you, you've, your heart has to break and you have to know that Jesus is the son of God and you have to ask him to come into your life and whatever utters out of your lips, that don't even make any difference. But somewhere you have to have that place in your life. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to I want to ask you to close your Bibles up right now. Sweetie, can you come on up here and, and play? By the way, I'm always say that sweetie's my wife, so don't worry about it. I'm not some kind of crazy preacher. Sweetie, I get to call sweetie, sweetie. The piano player is my wife. And I just want us to take some time here. folks listen to me some of you need to come to this altar today and you need to repent of worry some of you need to come up here today and repent from trying to get Jesus to do it your way some of you up here just need to come up and repent for just not understanding and not knowing 
just like the disciples sat right there and did not know what the scripture said when it was there plainly for them. Some of you today need to rejoice because you already have a revelation. I don't know where you're at. There may be some of you in here today that need to rededicate your lives to the Lord. Our prayer team's going to be up here. Listen to me. You got to understand something. Here in this church, I don't like pressure. And you have no pressure. If you come up here and you want to, don't get pressured and think, oh, I've, I, I got to go sit back down because the next wave's coming up. You just come stand up here and pray with somebody. Man, we'll, we got no order around here. We'll run them down the aisles. It don't make any difference. Are y'all with me? Today, get things right with God that you need to get right. We'll have a prayer team up here. Let it be a great resurrection day for you. Amen. Let it be a great resurrection day for you. So, can I have my prayer team, pastoral team, come down so I can serve you? For those of you out watching, get your communion ready because you're going to take it here in just a minute.